So does anybody know when you put the three con those dots in that configuration, what that what it means, what it stands for? It's actually a logic mathematical symbol. Um, and mathematicians, if you don't know, really our whole goal, see I'm a math teacher at the high school, so I am a mathematician. Mathematicians generally, they try to find as many shortcuts to write what they want to write. So there's a lot of different substitutions and small. So this symbol is for therefore. That is a long word. Yes. <laughs> and then, using a little technology, if you flip it over, does anybody know what that is? It's because, just so therefore or because. Now, in math, one of the biggest places, so therefore is that in mathematics is the beginning of the conclusion, right? It's, we are, you say therefore, and then you state your conclusion. Now, I'm gonna talk a little bit about suffering tonight. So I have to make you guys suffer by remembering <laughs> that in geometry, <laughs> that you did two column proofs and you had a given, but what was important is on this bottom line, it was where your conclusion went, okay? And so we, we use that, but what's, what's actually important is what do you put up there? What, become, what comes before that therefore? And I, just to make Patty happy, another way that you can think about conclusion is a five, back in high school, you wrote a five-paragraph essay, and you had a hypothesis, three supporting paragraphs, and yet the last paragraph was your conclusion. It's the same thing. There's supporting information and then your conclusion. Okay? So I'm going to take a second here and switch this back so that you guys can see, um, can see when I read some of the, I have to get back farther, read uh, some scripture in a little bit. So I'll give the control back to the other computer. And when I get to, so I also made sure that I had my notes on here, mainly so Mitch couldn't write on them and give me a message. <laughs> Okay, so to begin the year, you were here. Um, Cole asked us to consider Philippians 2, 1 through 18. Um, and to remember, but not, not necessarily word for word, memorizing it, but how these verses speak into your life and can guide us. <laughs> In this season of Lent, these verses also tell us how we should be responding, to respond to suffering. And as Cole told us last week, that suffering can be like 
the refiner's fire, helping to purify us. And back on the last time Cole gave a sermon on the Philippians, um, he focused on 2, 12 through 18. And it really, it jumped out at me because of the therefore that the verses started with. So let me read 2, 12 um, through 2, 18. This is the conclusion, okay? Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will, um, in you, I don't, and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing, so that may, you may be blameless and pure, children of God, without fault in a crooked and depraved generation, in which you shine like stars in the universe. As you hold out the word of life, in order that I may boast on the day of Christ, and that I did not run or labor for nothing. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. There's a lot of depth in that conclusion. But verse 18 really sums it up. Be glad and rejoice. That's what Paul's trying to tell us there. So I saw that, therefore, and I'm going, there's some significance before here. So I'm going to talk about those, it's kind of in three parts, three supporting paragraphs, three ideas. I'm going to go back to um, 118. You know what Paul says there? He says, and I will continue to rejoice. So at 118, he starts there. And then from 118 to 218, we have some supporting information. And you'll find out how this all connects to my, my life in a, in a moment. So first of all, one of the things that Paul offers as support for the um, conclusion of be glad and rejoice is what we can see coming in a few weeks, and that's the cross, and that's Easter. Okay? And so Christ is an example of us in his humility. So 2, 1 through 11. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. That we, right, that Cole talked about earlier. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, considering, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your interests, but also to the interests of others. I think that kind of connects to the scriptures that Cole read to us earlier. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, 
did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him in the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God our Father. That humility is a high standard. And um, as I grew up, going back to my high school, we won't talk about how long ago that was. Um, I walked the fine line being being twain, being self-confident and arrogant. You, I don't, you guys might be surprised by that. Some of you might be, I don't know. Um, and part of that was just, I was good in school. I, in math, well, and even in science, um, I just remember math, I got 100% on every test all four years. So there was things about that. But, and this is also where some, I got into trouble because I also happened to be an athlete. And when I was in high school, I played basketball, and I played on our fifth and state basketball team. And I played baseball, and I was third, played on a team that was third and state. So I have, I was, an, not I was not the dumb athlete that some people want to. So after I graduated high school or college, um, studied, settled down, and got married, and to my wife Tracy, and. In September, will be 30 years. Um, but I love playing basketball. And so I, as, you know, got settled into life, I, I played basketball on a weekly basis. Um, and for me, and I... Um, when I attended Emmanuel Lutheran and before I got sick, I, I had open gym. And that was, it was my court. And when I was playing, I didn't lose. It just, so, it, so you understand is that I have that self-confidence that can be, you know, but a lot of times I, I can back it up. But it depends on where you go with that, who you are. And I know if I was physically able to play right now, I'd be playing. It's just that, so. The biggest place now in my life that it's hard for me for humility and to be humble is dealing with my fellow teachers at Centralia High School. And I'm tested on a, on um, many different levels for that. Um, but I can show compassion to my students easily, but I have a, I, I expect college graduates to be smarter than they demonstrate sometimes. Um, an example earlier this week, um, I also happen to be 
the assessment coordinator for the high school. And so I've been doing some training, getting prepared for state testing we're gonna do. And um, I try to be very clear and communicate early. And so we had a, I trained on Friday, but we had a brief meeting and asked some questions on Wednesday afternoon. And one teacher raises her hand and says, do you know what the schedule is? And so I, in my not so humble way said, a little bit later that if teachers who were competent in their technology could go online or go with an outlook and look at their calendar and figure out when the testing was gonna be. So, I, um, so I sent an email the next day just saying, you know, the, those, I, I forwarded the email that was sent two months ago on the 31st that had the whole schedule and just said, you know, these things get that. But the reality is that's who I am because we, um, we have a, and I won't necessarily, you guys can figure it out, but the staff has an annual award that's called the AH award. You can figure out what the A and the H stand for. And I've won it a couple times, so I, <laughs> So, not consistently? Uh, well, not cons I've been consistently in the top three. <laughs> so, but in going, and we do lots of things here at, at Gather, and I actually went through Gather, uh, the Genesis process, which I was going to start leading again on Monday. So, that was an announcement we didn't say, but good here. But in going through that previously, this, this humility and the compassion to show to my, um, to my fellow staff members was one of the main things that I continue to work in. So uh, it, it's an ongoing thing. And as I just shared, it's, it's con I'm constantly being tested on that. So... Um, so Christ, humility. Um, but the next part um, talks about, and I'll read it in just a moment, um, but moving, we're kind of actually moving backwards. I started at 218 and now we're at 21. Now I'm gonna back up to 127. But first, the, that, that image of Christ's humility, um, is that for others to see, it's not enough. It's not enough for us just to be that image. Um, the next passage is the information to support why will we suffer by standing together in one spirit and one faith for the gospel and to not fear opposition and will be saved. So verses 1, um, 27 through 30. What ha whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a matter, matter manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. Since you're going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. 
Now let's pause just a second and remember, these are reasons why we should be glad and rejoice. This says that we, um, we stand together. It's we. And together we can, in the faith of gospel, we can stand against those that oppose us. So, why am I here tonight talking to you? Um, This is therefore that Paul says in Philippians, touched me in many ways. But the most significant was was how it connected to verses 1, 19 through 26. So let me read you that. For I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. If I'm going... If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain. And I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. I'm saying that's my message. That's who I am because of what Cole said of cancer. Specifically, it was December 18th, 2009 that I was diagnosed with leukemia. That was the Friday before winter break that year. So after the half day, I went to the doctor and by myself and found out I had leukemia. Probably, probably, not a great thing to do by yourself, but it happened. So I spent the next four months getting chemotherapy to attempt to get me in remission. During that time, I read the Bible starting in Acts. And when I came to Philippians 121, which I just read. I was given my answer to the result of all my treatments, which that was I was going to live. To live as Christ, to die as King. And I know I was going to live because that, that message at the end, I know I was going to stay. I had a purpose. I'm going to be sharing my story. It's going to be important. And it's who I am. And if you look at my life right now and who I am, you might say that those four months of treatment was all the su- was my suffering. But the reality was, because of 121, I knew I was going to live through my battle of cancer. That was not suffering to me. I went through that with joy, and people said that. It was a rejoice. I knew I would make it. 
And so on May 6, 2010, I received the cure, the stem cell, stem cell transplant. And it will be seven years in May. And so anytime you get after five years, you celebrate every year. So, but in two, October of 2010, I was told I was in remission. And then in December came the side effects of you know, st a standard stem cell transplant. And it's called GVHD, graft versus host disease. My immune system is basically attacking my body. It is something I continue to live with. And in rejoicing that the aggressive immune system that causes my GVHD also guarantees that the leukemia will not come back. As I was digging deeper into this scripture, I was confronted with something I'd never identified with my, my daily walk. It starts in verse 214. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and deprived generation. Those of you that come and contact me on a weekly basis or daily basis, you guys know I don't say anything about my daily struggles with GVHD. And I'm not, I, I'm not saying that I'm righteous or anything. I'm, this is, I'm being humble in this that I live with 35%, 30 to 35% breadth every day. I get tired easy. But I, I don't worry about that. I don't, I still, I have to live my life. I could sit home and be on disability and watch TV every day, which get awful boring with even 200 channels. <laughs> so, um, and so, but I don't complain about that. I, I just keep going. Um, and I continue to teach and mainly freshmen in algebra. Ending the day with three periods of math, hating students. <laughs> For the most part. But, yes. And depending on the lessons of the day, it can be mentally and physically challenging. But I go through the day, and I, I'm there. And I'll, talk, I'll share in a, a moment about some of the kids some of the things that I've done. Um, Thursdays are a very busy day for me. I get up 5.30, get ready, meet at Denny's at 6, 6.15, 6.30. Um, there's a group of high school staff, men, who we've been doing Bible study, for, excuse me, for 10 years every Thursday. I go and teach. When I'm done teaching on Thursday, I'm at the atrium, and I'm there until the Bible study is done. But I rejoice because I love it. I, it. I enjoy it. So in that verb, you know, um, I just, I don't use, in my daily struggle, I don't use the suffering 
And I don't even consider it suffering. That's why I've never connected that to this verse. And that this talk, it's just, it's my daily life, and I'm here to interact and share the love of Christ. And so I don't even think about it. I don't, so I don't use it as a crutch or a reason to complain. And Philippians 1.21 is the reason that I do that. Um, but now supported from the therefore and the rest of the scripture I've shared tonight, um, I want to read the entire text again because we went backwards. Let's go forwards and just listen to the whole thing and how it will speak to you, okay? Because as we talk and as we listen to the messages, each it speaks to each of you different. Your suffering is different. So... And just, just listen. It's not going to be up on the screen. And I will continue to rejoice, for I know that your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what happened to me, will turn out, um, just, uh, will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will, will no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body whether by life or by death, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. If I'm going to live, go on living in the body, this will be fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but is more necessary for me to remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain. I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith so that my being with you again, your joy in Christ will overflow on account of me. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come or see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed and by that you will be saved and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now I still have. So not so negative. 2.1 turns it around and talks about the love. If you have encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, considering others better than yourselves. Each of you should not only uh, look not only to your interests, but also the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in his human likeness. And being found in an appearance as man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore God, therefore God exalted him to the highest place, gave him his name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth and on earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, the conclusion, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, 
not only in my present, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. But even if I'm poured out like a drink offering on a sacrifice and serving coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. So what are my three dots tonight? What's my conclusion? So no matter how you're suffering, know that God is working with you to make you stronger by, ref by refining, or as Cole's going to talk about next week, or pruning you, or both. This will lead to sharing God's love to those around you in your daily life. As a teacher, this gives me a chance to do that. And I just want to share some of those opportunities. Some recently, one last year. Just this week, I had a young lady who missed almost three weeks of school because she'd had some kind of surgery, and I don't know what the surgery was. I just remember the day she came back at the end of last week where by six period, she had to lay down on the floor because the pain of sitting up was so great. But when you're gone three weeks, and she's uh, not, not the best student, but she's a, she's a wonderful young lady, she, she talks to me every day. And she came and said, am I, am I a, a bad student? Because I, I must be stupid because, you know, she, all of her classes had become Fs. And it's really hard for teachers sometimes to that fine line between showing mercy and being rigid about, you know, you haven't made this up, so you're great. And I, I, I just had to tell her that her, that her, who she was and what she needed to do was not tied to those grades. And so that was just, that's my opportunity. To, teaching is so much more of a ministry to me than the torture of making people suffer mathematics. <laughs> and at the same time, this young man was next to me. And he has struggled with his, in the recent weeks, with his mother being in the hospital. And then he has to go live with his grandmother. And he, and he can't focus. He has tough enough, tough enough time focusing on a daily basis without having to think about his mother. But he was there and he, he, he said, that's what I love about you, Canfield, is that you, you know, you, you care about what's going on and you, you say those kind of things. And because his mother's in, in the hospital right now, we're doing student-led conferences next week. And if a student 
it's required as a grade to pass our NAV study hall class. They must do a student-led conference. This young gentleman asked me to sit in as the adult for a student-led conference. And then last year, one of my more rewarding things that I've done, been able to experience as a teacher is I had this young lady that right at the beginning of the school, the, the, one of the counselors said, I'm putting this, this student in your class, but she, you know, she struggles. And I, up, I looked at her history and from sixth to eighth grade, she hadn't made it through school past spring break. Sometime in March, April, she went home because she had so much anxiety built up about school. And, you know, then the counselor shares maybe that the, the main thing that gives her anxiety was math. So I went, so in the first day I went to her and I just said, if you get anxious, if you get nervous, if you, you have my permission to just go to the library, if it, just stand up and go. I'm not going to question it. You have the freedom to go. And by the end of the year, she was my best, best math student. She got an A. She made it through the whole year for her freshman year, and she's being successful this year. So, so it was just one of those things of showing a little mercy, showing that love, and sharing with her. And I've got, and I've been able to, part of this community, I've had the opportunity to meet and work and change my whole life about what it means to serve. And those things, and I still remember Chad first day after he got baptized and we sat and we talked and just how excited he was and, the, and when Brandy showed up and where, they're, and where they're at now and the things that have happened to both of them. And those, those again, are just inserting yourself and being part of people's lives is such a wonderful thing. So I'll leave you with one last thought, and it's from Scripture. Um, and Paul doesn't have in this the, you know, he doesn't have the license for rejoice. It's not only him. So I, as I was typing this, I saw a little coin. Uh, I have a coin that was given to me by somebody while I was going through leukemia, and it has this verse on front and back, and it's Psalms 118.24. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Thank you.